Welcome back to the Running the Point NBA podcast. And today we've got a treat. On the podcast, we've got our first guest, my mate Chris. He comes in and we have a bit of a chat about the league and um, get around on a few topics. It's really cool, this episode. I like it because it's a bit more of a conversation and less structured than um, a typical podcast with just by myself. So, um, yeah, I hope, I hope you enjoy it. We uh, look at a bit of the recent news. We look at the Jimmy Butler trade, the effects of that, for us, especially for Philly and even the Timberwolves looking at their return. Uh, we also get into the KD and Draymond Tiff. And we also mention a little bit about MJ versus LeBron and the whole GOAT um, conversation. So, no, nah, this is a really, really good podcast, I think. You will really enjoy it. It's one of the better ones I've done so far and. Feels like I've done a lot more than five, but anyway, thanks again for listening to the podcast. Best way you can support the show is to go on Apple iTunes and give us a rating of five stars. That really helps the podcast and more people join the Running the Point movement. So I'd like to thank you again for tuning in. And here comes the first guest of the Running the Point NBA podcast, my mate Chris. To the Running the Point NBA show. Today we've got a special episode on episode five. We've got a guest. We've got my mate Chris in, and we're going to be talking about the Jimmy Butler trade to the Sixers. So, Chris, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, doing all right, doing all right. So, anyway, the Jimmy Butler trade. As I'm sure you all know, the 76ers have traded for Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. And in return, the T-Wolves received Robert Covington, Darius Saric, and Jared Bayless, as well as the second-round pick. So rumours throughout the whole process was that Tibbs and the Wolves have been very hard to deal with throughout, throughout it all. An example of this is when Miami Heat were virtually in agreement with Tibbs and between him and Pat Riley, both of them went back to their owners to get a bit of confirmation and to finalise the deal. And then as they call back, um, getting ready to ring into league office to finalise the deal, Tibbs comes back to Pat Riley and asks for more picks. And that's when the infamous um, Pat Riley calling Tibbs a motherfucker sort of rumour came out. But uh, yeah, that essentially led to Miami retracting Josh Richardson from trade talks regarding Butler. And that um, effectively um, dried up a bit most of the market because Miami were the, really the hot shots to go in um, to collect the Sixers. So, um, yeah, Chris, well, apart from the 76ers who obviously received Butler, was there another team you would have been intrigued seeing him go to? Uh, I liked Butler maybe to a team like Dallas. Uh, I thought it could really help really help them. Um, there's a few spots, landing spots for him. I thought this trade was really interesting because of the GM of the Timberwolves is the coach, which is yeah. pretty pretty weird. Usually there's two positions, and that is really a conflict of interest. And I think that's where a lot of the problems were caused because he, he wants to win right now. Yeah. Okay? And he doesn't want he doesn't want the picks. He doesn't want to build for the future, which, I mean, Minnesota, they've been looking okay, but they haven't been looking good enough, obviously, to compete even with the top four teams at the moment. Yeah, no, I, d- I definitely see exactly what you're saying. And you could see... Like, especially when the rumours regarding Houston came out that they offered four first-round picks, they're going really far in advance. I liked yeah. what you said about the conflict of interest between um, the coach and the GM being the same person. Because yeah, it's, tough. It's, it's definitely tough. Yeah, Tibbs is on the hot seat. Yeah, def- definitely. He has to perform now because you know, they've been together for a while and they just haven't been putting together for all the players they have and all the money they've thrown at the team. They haven't performed up to standard. And Jimmy played well for them, but obviously they didn't mesh with Wiggins and Cat. And I think uh, they've done pretty well out of the trade for what, what they could have done, especially uh, Jimmy forcing his way out of there definitely makes him worth a lot less because people know that they have to get now get rid of him. So his trade value just goes straight down. Yeah, 100%. So, like, yeah, I think Jimmy was just at a completely different stage of the other Timberwolves. So like, he's a lot more mature than Cat and Wiggins, and I think that's where a lot of the work ethic, like, issues was coming between them. Like, Jimmy Butler at the moment's like, recently turned 29, 
Whereas Cat and Wiggins are both under twenty four, to my knowledge. Yeah, that's it's it's definitely a bit, it's definitely a bit hard, especially. Uh, I mean, I know Jimmy Butler called them soft. I don't know if they actually are soft, or Jimmy just uh, he seems like a very dominant personality to play with, so you can definitely get pretty frustrated with him. Um, but I think that both teams have done well. The Sixers, I watched them the other day, and they looked okay for the first game. Um, they did lose to the Magic, which is. Unacceptable, really. Like, you can't lose. Yeah, you don't, especially going down the stretch. Like, I thought that was going to be one of the areas that Jimmy Butler would help them. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, because, like, especially, like, um, you've seen throughout even this season already, the Sixers have crumbled, like, big leads against teams that they should have put away. You put that down to just not having enough veterans, really, don't you? Yeah, and And that's hopefully, like, an influence that Jimmy will have. Yeah. I I think he fits pretty well there, Um, especially because Ben can be the point there. I... I think they, he fits really nicely. He's a good piece, especially on defense as well. And then they can start incorporating Redick into the offense more because he's been on the bench. And you just can't leave a, such a good shooter, especially in, in this three-point shooting era on the bench. It's just ridiculous. You can't just leave him on the bench and not give him minutes. So now I'm sure he'll get more minutes, which which should um, you know get Philly to where they want to be in the, in the direction they want to be, which is you know Eastern Conference final. I think they probably want to Of start. course, that's a... You're putting yourself into the, the top echelon of teams where yeah. it's either Eastern Conference finals or bust. Like, you'd be disappointed if you don't reach those peaks. Like, the um, trade is rumored to come in, and there's already understanding that Jimmy's willing to re sign with Philadelphia, which is a guarantee you need when you're trading yeah. away a young asset in Darius Saric and a very strong and well fitting role player in Covington. Yeah. Um, also, so. Yeah, Jimmy Butler getting his way out of Minnesota, he exercised what a term that's been coined as pre-agency, which effectively, if you don't know, is a new a newish way players are gaining leverage in the final years of their contract by demanding trades or making other sorts of demands. Um, a real benefit of this is players that are seeking a five-year deal, however, they don't want to deal with their current side yeah. and retaining bird rights, which helps signing other players. Yeah, it's really become a players' league now. Players have a lot more control than they did before, which I think is good. Um, I think the players before were, you know, you pushed around by the organisations a lot, and now they have a lot more control. Maybe, maybe a bit too much. Yeah, there's always a case for that, and like you see in the NFL, it's still like an owners' league over there. Yeah, and like you see, even with Le'Veon Bell, like not returning um, to the team, and it's going to be out for the whole season. Yeah, you know, like that comes down to just how much the NBA is just driven by star power. You saw with last year, Kawhi Leonard, um, whether he was injured or not for the whole time, he didn't want to come back, and he and he just didn't. And he, I think he got paid. No worries, he just got paid. For yeah, the whole... guaranteed contracts yep. in the NBA. Guaranteed. Which I think you should have because you don't want someone being out of pocket just because of a stupid injury when they just had such a great upside. Yeah, it gives you incentive to like sort of go all in and put like even putting your body on the line. Like you're not going to lose like some exactly. generational wealth you're earning. Exactly at NBA level. Yeah, you never want to see that. Um, you want to see loyalty to franchises, especially when they show loyalty back. What I think what Jimmy Butler did was wrong. Sitting out games, that's. Uh, I think when you if you want to demand a trade, that's fine. Even go public, but you got to play hard every game. He was taking nights off. He said it was for what, body rest or something. Yeah, it, but it seems like it's out of his character. He seems like he has one of those like sort of like older mentalities um, with sort of work, working hard, and so on. And that was his issue with um, the Minnesota um, young players. Like they weren't working hard and they weren't showing up, putting in the best efforts. Look, we're, we're not at the organization, but if that's true, then that's a big problem. And yeah. I can, you can understand Jimmy's point of view there. And yeah, the Sixers are definitely better off for, for getting him and um, they probably fast track their process. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, and, this is exactly what the process has led up to. Like you wanted to get those big stars and like have the assets to be able to pull off a trade like this for a disgruntled superstar or no, star. No but, more excuses now for yeah. them. They haven't got any more excuses. They're, they're running out of time now. They have to perform. Um, and I think they can, I think Fultz has got to step up. I watched you the other day. He looked okay. Um, Obviously, still, <laughs> yeah. Some of those things, yeah. Like he was known as a bit of a, um, a shooter, or at least 
be able to stretch the floor out. And that's something yeah. you're going to need for in your, like your fifth sort of player. At least he has he has height in this corner. I didn't actually realize how tall he was. I think they said he's, he's six, long, six yeah. five, and he's he's long. Yeah, like for a guard, that's um, that's, so, that's decent size. Yeah, I was I heard a comparison. I think on Jalen Jacoby of uh, the Golden State Warrior bench point guard, uh, Sean Livingston. I heard he could be worst case Sean Livingston, which is. Well, that's awesome. That's that's pretty good. Look, like, that's what you that's what you're sort of looking for. So, like at the moment, their starters of, of the first game, the Magic game yesterday that we saw was Simmons, Redick, Butler, Wilson Chandler, and Joel Embiid. To really make that leap, you'd be expecting and looking for that extra player in that Wilson Chandler slot. Yeah. What type of player would you think the Sixers would be looking for? What they were looking for now, uh... especially well, there's been mm. rumors or. Um, people throwing out there that the disgruntled Cole Corver over in Cleveland is sort of could be a target for them. But like, do you think they need a more dynamic player opposed as just a spot up shooter? Corver's probably reaching the end of his days. Although he's still a great shooter, he's a complete liability on defense out there. Yeah, I agree. And, and you need that. You need defense because it all start. You, you see players get benched all the time. The good offensive players not good enough on defense. You know, you have to like. I saw Camilla Anthony to Sixers. I don't think so. I think Camilla. No, that's that. I, I'd hate that. Yeah, he's he that you needed a, a probably a, yeah another shooter and a good obviously a good defensive player to slot in there. Um, a Robert Covington. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you get him back. He, he played very well for them. You know, he, he earned his money. Did really well for them, and uh, he showed that consistently for. This two series, two series. How long was he there for? Two series. He was there for a while, no, because yeah. he was he was found um, through the the whole process. He was one of the, um, so he was originally come from their G League. Ah, um, so yeah. he recruited him through there, and because he actually played, I think about a dozen games for Sophie Houston, he yeah. couldn't stick there originally. Plenty of good guys coming out of the G League now. Plenty of yeah. Good look, guys. if you you've got to really invest nowadays, I think there's still a couple of teams that don't have G League sides, and mm, if that's... you're sort of putting yourself mm. behind the eight ball in, in sort of finding those role players. You had the Hassan Whiteside who was found yes. in the G League. Um, Big pick up there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, where do you see in terms of the trade? How's this going to benefit the Sixers, or how do you see Jimmy fitting within the Sixers? I think he'll be a very good uh, leader there. I think he'd be a veteran leader. He'll take. I think end of games need to belong to him and to Embiid together. Um, I just think what he'll do is he'll give him a bit more stability, especially down the stretch, which is what they need. Okay, you all know they got big scorers. They got Embiid's a big scorer. Um, Simmons is, you know, 15 points a night and 10 assists and 10 rebounds almost every night. He's great. But, you know, Butler will just add, you know, also that toughness. And yeah. he'll, he'll, I think he'll, he'll change the, the locker room, okay? I think he'll just make, make the whole team tough. Especially, I think Embiid and Butler are perfect together. Because I think Embiid, um, it's in terms of personality, because I think Embiid is... You know, he wants to win really bad. I think, you know, he talks trash. I think him and Butler will get will get on well there. And I think um, just that personalities together will be good. Yeah, but- I, can, I can definitely see that. And also one of the concerns that, like, went pop through my mind when the trade's going through with him going to Philly or one way you could see not work, you could imagine it not working would perhaps be the young players and sort of having a, a second version of the team. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. However... You see, Ben Simmons is Australian. He's that means he's tough. Joel Embiid is going back against anyone that's coming up to him. So if Butler's going to curse either of them out, especially Embiid. Yeah, they're going back at him. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I think Butler wants that, but well, exactly. I, I think I think Butler comes from a time where maybe he was coaching that way, or he you know, he earned every minute, and he wants he wants to fight, he wants bark. You know, he he wants he when he comes out and he says, you know, go do it this way, and someone says, no, I want to do it this way. He doesn't want someone to back off. He wants the conversation to be said right there, and then he wants problems to be solved there. He doesn't want people, you know, he doesn't want to have a fight with someone and then you know them talk behind his back. He wants all the problems settled straight away and in front of his face, which yeah. I think is a good way to work work out. You know, yeah, exactly. Well, if you're on the same page, I guess that's always a good thing. Yes. Um, I guess yeah, that's also similar to what's happened with Draymond Green. And um, and Kevin Durant, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. What yeah. happens over there? Yeah. Draymond's really like here and now, getting in each other's face, and like it sort of comes back from that um, sort of park or um, mentality. 
that if, if we're going to um, get into it, we're going to get into it now. We're not going to hold any of these emotions Ex- back. Yeah, exactly. We don't, yeah. That's how I try to operate day to day too. If you have a problem with someone or if you have an issue, you just go to their face and you, you tell it how it is because as soon as you don't do that and you go, that's when the problem becomes larger and larger until it bursts and everything blows up in your face. Yeah, 100%. So I thought the Timberwolves did pretty well at this trade too. For what, yeah, for for what, for what was left on the market. Yeah, I thought they did really do good. Do you think it solves a few issues? So it solves the win now because you got two players that were sort of already looking to be like cool role pieces yes. within a um, Eastern Conference contender. Dare I say? Yep. So and then Darius Saric is still young and still he's been he's been told as one of those players that has untapped potential or wouldn't have reached his ceilings within the previous iteration of Philadelphia. It's a, it's a European Serbian. They go have a lot of skill. You saw like Vladi Divac many years ago. He could be someone like him, but has even longer range. And he was a great player for a long time. Yeah, and you've got those. Um, you've heard a lot of talk about how good his passing was and how it wasn't really shown off within the Philadelphia Yeah, offense. I heard that. And I've, I've seen a few sparks from him. And, you know, uh, he could definitely be um, passing out of the point, out of the post, sorry, just like Jokic does and stuff like that um, in, in Minnesota. Because, you know, they don't have, well, they have Cat, but, you know, Cat also can float around the perimeter too. So, he, you know, he can do a lot of that passing stuff uh, probably better in Minnesota than he could in, um, in Philly because of Ben taking most of the ball-dominant role. Yeah, 100%. And even another thing that I think is going to be is a bit underrated about how good of a get this is, is Dario Saric and Robert Covington as locker room presences and how they're sort of known for being um, good teammates. And that could hopefully bring back that Minnesota locker room back together. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't give up Minnesota yet, especially after I watched the, uh, the Timberwolves game as well. And I, I thought Wiggins played actually quite well. I actually... Wasn't a believer in Wigan until I watched. I know it's only one game, but I actually think that you know, giving him the ball more, he actually might show something. And you know, he's been paid big money for for like a reason. You know what I mean? He hasn't been paid all this money for you know for just walking around the court. Obviously, they've seen something in him, and yeah. and there's something there. And Cat showed off flashes like like a year ago of what he could become. He so. was averaging like 25 and 12 in his sophomore season. Like, yeah. That's dumb numbers. That's like Hall of Fame. Like that trajectory, you're getting into the Hall of Fame. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, they still have a lot of potential and they've got they've got some good veteran guys there. They've got Derrick Rose, um, the return of Derrick Rose. Oh, 4.0 as mentioned in the past episode. Yeah, we, I think we're big lovers of Derek Rose over here. Yeah, lovers. definitely. Yeah, so you know he'll be a big locker room presence. Um, you Taj know, Gibson, I think, as well. Yeah, he's just such a consistent player, and he's and you know he's tough and he's strong and he's good on defense. Gets some dunks, gets some rebounds. Uh, Teague is very good too. Yeah, definitely. He can um, what's a very quick player stretch the floor, um, especially similar issues with younger players and turnovers you can sort of help settle the floor with them yep. being that sort of um veteran point guard within the league so um how do you think this is going to benefit the Timberwolves I think uh the, the ball is going to end up in cat and Wigan has more and I think this is not a roll of the dice but it's a 50-50 whether they take it to the next level or they just stay as they are. And I, I, I believe they can take it to the next level. I think Wiggins can become, you know, a consistent maybe 20-point scorer and Cat will lift his numbers as well. And, you know, and they got – maybe maybe Butler really was, um, like, destroying and being the Terminator around there and just destroying their morale. Maybe he really was. Like, and, you know, I saw, you know, Wiggins even take it late with, like, with conviction. And, yeah. just, and just, you know, I think he had – Nine or ten fourth quarter points to win the game against who they who they played. Can't remember who they played, but you know, yeah, no, they had a strong win. But like even then, like with this trade, if you're going to see a lot more freedom, especially from those two yes. Wiggins and Cat. Yeah. I I saw on when Jimmy Butler's on the floor, Wiggins averages about twenty three points per um, game or per thirty six oh, minutes. I saw that stat, yeah. And then Carl um, Anthony Towns is up like late twenties. Yeah, nearly, I saw that nearly thirty points per thirty six possessions when Jimmy wasn't on for this season, and he hasn't looked good as we mentioned in the past yeah. episode. It's very it's 
I don't know if it's surprising, but it's interesting when his players get a bit more usage, how much better they actually are. Like you'll know from from when we play basketball, if we play ten minutes, we can't be as effective usually as if we play. If we play thirty, you get into the game, yeah, you get yeah, more you get touches. Standard, yeah. yeah, you get more touches. You know, a shot falls, you need a few shots to fall before you start getting into it, and you know that can really benefit, especially a player like Wiggins who has you know he's long, and he has he has the body, and he I think he has the skills. He just he just yeah needs to, to truly be effect, like at his peak and like most effective, he needs to be hitting that pull up jump shot, yeah. like especially yeah. in his first like year or two. You saw that when he had that pull up jump shot. I think when he went off for forty eight or something. I remember in the half court uh, game winner. I think it was uh, it was one of them where he just he was hit hit over forty points he scored, and he was hitting his pull up jump shot and that um with that including the threat of the drive that really opened up his game and like Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns as well like they're both not going to feel like that they're playing with the restriction of having Jimmy Butler on their yep. back because I feel like they were both effect like scared of him. Yeah, look, I've I have been in a team before where I've played and. The coach can do this to you, but also other players can, um, especially in the NBA, probably more than a more amateur level. But they always they always look at you when you do something yeah. wrong. They, you know, a coach will pull you out, or the player will say something to you every time you do something wrong, and then you're scared. When you're, you're playing, yeah, when you're playing to not do something wrong as opposed to creating chances and taking chances, mm-hmm. you definitely you don't have that freedom that you would truly... There's that famous Michael Jordan quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Exactly. And, you know, if 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 they feel like they can't do what, what they can't normally do, then, you know, that's a big problem. Uh, that's a problem for the Timberwolves. And Covington's just going gonna to add. Like, he, you can't yeah. really say much because, you know, he's just consistent. He's just there. He, was he, he should... first team all defense? I think, he, I think he was. First or second. Which is... Incredible, and so he's going to provide good defense there, which is going to be able to relax. You know, Wiggins won't have well, he'll have to play defense, but you know, he'll he'll be a good anchor and also good three point shooting, which is yeah. And every team, every team, like they get paid those three and D players, like 100%. Everywhere, they're everywhere, and that else. contract is awesome with how it's um, declining in the future. Yeah, I think more teams should be taking on those types of contracts if the players will sign them. Hopefully. <laughs> no, but it's got incentive for both sides. The players get their money up front, up front. earlier, yeah, yeah. and then, like, later on um, yeah. in the contract, yeah. it's their like, players... Are, cap rooms. Yeah, it's up more cap rooms yeah. to do more and yeah. sign a different contract. Definitely. The one thing about this deal from the perspective of Minnesota that I don't... that I wasn't particularly pleased about, taking out the context of how badly it was handled, was that... It, I feel like it has a low ceiling on the team. Of, two, of uh, Minnesota? For Minnesota. I feel like that Minnesota, even if Wiggins becomes an all-star, Cat stays on the trajectory that he previously was on, they can only do so well. I don't feel like they could do better than what Portland's doing now. I, I think that's, that's no fault of uh, Minnesota. That's the fault of uh, those guys in Oakland. That's They're just, they're just too good. All right, but... Say they've got they're they're both um, under twenty four. Yeah, they've effectively got five, six, seven years of their yep. prime left. Yep, at least they could yep. play if they play to their thirty. If they if they just start declining at thirty from their prime, mm-hmm. they've got a huge gap, and that's gonna I think KD be well into thirty six. That's true. And so that's on. true. Yep. However, I feel like with this structure of the side that their upside is capped, mm. which. With with given the context of how badly this was all handled by Thibodeau, yeah, they've got a good return. However, it's just that's it's, my only you thing. They could have got a bit more Is that, or... if they handled it better from the start. Yeah. If Jimmy was flipped, as soon, like right after the final, Jimmy went like crazy. Like he was doing interviews, he was beating up people. Like, not physically beating him up, but like, yeah. But in the games. there was reports that Thibodeau knew before the owner, knew before everyone, months probably, before he, anything leaked. He, he probably did. Yeah. Apparently, it was within a week after the season, within a week after that, Jimmy went to Tibbs and said, "It's not working. Can you?" Move me on yeah. somewhere. I'm not. I'm not surprised because Tibbs and uh, Jimmy have that relationship for a long time, and he, he he's he's one of his guys. Well, he was. I don't know if he still is, but he's they're like tight from a long time ago. Uh, yeah, from, exactly. From, from the Bulls, he he gave Jimmy that opportunity to become the player he is now. Yeah. And um, do you think they're 
better than they are before in terms of potential or worse than before? Before this trade? Yeah, do you think with Butler, say Butler, they didn't have the issues, do you think that would have been a better team with Butler or well, do you reckon the potential is now better with Covington and Sarge? Well, if it was within the context of Butler being disgruntled, yeah, they're doing better. Yep. But if he wasn't disgruntled, he's an all-star player. Yep. He's um, second team all-NBA like three or four times. Yep. He's awesome. He's an awesome player when he's not turning into a little sassy. Yeah. I, I, I have a lot of belief, especially in potential of Sarge and yep. Pro Wiggins. So you, you might see a pretty good team over there. You might see a pretty different team. I don't know if if Thibodeau maybe has something to do with him being a bit capped. I don't know how, how much he liked Thibodeau as a coach. I think he's... I think the league might have passed Thibodeau. Yeah. You, you do find some of those those coaches that just they stick to like the old style and haven't adapted fully. And then you just see, other than Pop, which is an exception to the coaching roles. Yeah, but Pop's always evolved his offense around the play, a mixture of the players he has in the context. He's, he's of the just, he's just the best. He's, like he's when the best. That's it. back, like early two thousands, like when sort of big men were still like a big part of the league. Mm-hmm. He was running everything through Duncan, and like he was just getting like easy two points every time down the court. He was the San Antonio offense was a was one of the um, starting points for this sort of stretch the floor. Yeah. He, him putting people like Paddy Mills in the corner and um, even, what's his name? The uh, the, the center, Matt Bonner or something? Yeah, Matt Bonner as well. He um, Players that nobody had ever heard of. Exactly. Players like, that you knew if you, if you played if you played 2K a lot. <laughs> yeah, very, very deep in the rotation. Especially, yeah. Like just having players like Matt Bonner become like rotation players. He didn't do much else except shoot threes. However, he was setting him up in a position to succeed. He, he definitely started the the passing era of uh, the moving offense. I think I th- passing out good shots, yeah, getting a great shot. Yep, uh, that's and even like finding open three pointers um, as well. I think you got to give him a lot of credit. A lot of people give it to D'Antoni, but so much of that um, offense back in Phoenix days was more running and getting a shot off quicker. Yep. A- yeah, and Pop, just winning with cardio. Pop bring that kind of that little bit Euro style to it, and um, 100%. in twenty fourteen, I think they they win. Which year did they win? Yeah, I think it was last was that last year. Ooh. Anyway, they won, and uh, that that was just a moving offense, just incredible. And you saw the yeah, teams they were playing when they were yeah twenty fourteen when the when they were playing uh, the offense uh, Cleveland offense was running. Um, Cleveland was playing with the offense running through LeBron and Kyrie, and it's just two people. Like in early 2001, Lakers were running through Shaq and Kobe. But now everyone's touching the ball. Even so many stars in Golden State, everyone touches the ball. Yeah, you know? even even that um that fourth player or, or that fifth. Oh, sorry, that fifth player. Now. Yeah, even like you know, Kevon Looney. Yeah, like, Looney's getting touches. Getting, He's getting touches yeah, and dunks. Kevon Looney, like the, the pick and roll run with Draymond, the ball goes to Draymond. Then when the Kevon Looney center comes off him to Draymond, there's a loop alley every time. Exactly, and you know, it's, it's that saved Javale McGee's career. That potentially gave him an extra two, three years on his yeah, career. Yeah, that's true. And you know, people are asking what, why LeBron's not dribbling the ball so much. I think it's because they're trying to play that that way. They're trying to play that more passing style, and they're, they're doing not too bad at it for the young players they do have. They get yeah, you, know, you got to remember that all those guys are like been in the league for like two, three years maximum. You know. Yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts on Los Angeles Lakers? Well. <laughs> I haven't watched too many games. Um, I think just just having LeBron, and I'm not a person who loves LeBron. I just, I think he's a bit of a baby sometimes, yeah. a bit of a sook. But you know he is what he is, and he's he's amazing, and he always finds a way to get it done, um, except for at the free throw line um, at the end of games. <laughs> Yeah, no. he's, he's always been a bit like that. I think he's a mid seventies from the line in general. Yeah, and but then even yeah. fourth quarter it drops down to sixty eight or something like a massive drop. Like yeah, that. but yeah, I heard it was like like high fifties or something, which is unacceptable for a yeah small, unacceptable for a player that's meant to be the best of all time. It's like it's completely unacceptable. Speaking of all time, he's moved into the fifth position, passing Wilt Chamberlain in all time points. Yep. Do you, so this year, I think he has to average about 15 points per game for the rest of the season for him to surpass Michael Jordan. Do you think that him surpassing Michael Jordan, the storyline that comes with him becoming a Laker, signing for four years on the dotted line, 
to become effectively becoming a true Laker. He's not holding the franchise um, by signing these one plus ones. He's committed to Los Angeles. Yeah. And he's going to pass. That's a testament to Magic Johnson. He's just a great businessman, isn't he? He can just sign anything. I have I have my opinions on Magic Johnson oh. and the way he's managed um, <laughs> recently. Yep. Um, but anyway, continue, continue. Do you think that LeBron and this whole storyline of him going to Lakers? I think it depends person to person. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. You're trying to say that will he surpass him? Can he surpass the the goat? This consensus goat. I'll ask you just quickly, yes or no. Do you think so? I don't think he has yet. Okay. I, I don't think he ever will. Why? Go on. Might be personal opinion, but I've, I've watched old Jordan footage, and it's it's domination, it's destruction, it's relentless, and it's it's winning. Okay? It's just straight winning. LeBron, I mean, a lot of people don't like to say this, but he, not, he didn't get lucky. I don't think he got lucky, but him playing in the East, a weaker East, got him to the final so many times. If he would have played in the West, I'm sorry, that San Antonio team's too strong. Yeah, he, he definitely strong. he wouldn't have the streak that he has. And I think that's it. I think that's really important because otherwise he's just a stats guy. He's just if he doesn't make those finals every time and actually win games, which he does win, but and he plays in the West where he loses in the second round, loses in the second round, makes it this time, loses in the first round. Because of how many strong teams there was in the West, um, I think his legacy is a bit different. You think? He's, all right. Well, but you, I think it's difficult to hold it against. LeBron oh, it definitely is. It's, it's that. It's just the it's, circumstances. It's nitpicking a bit. It it's like the, the circumstances that Curry was signed to a ten million dollar a year deal. Yeah. The circumstances that. The cap spike happened in such a way that Kevin Durant was able to sign within the cap to Golden State. Uh, if you give a, if yeah. you like, it's difficult to use those chance things that are occur, chance events that are occurring. I don't think you can hold it against a player as opposed to another one. In my personal opinion of yeah. this whole goat conversation. Well, are you asking me as he's going to surpass him in career accolades, or as a, as a as a as a player, or is he a better player overall? Would you take him at the start of his career over taking Michael Jordan at the start of his career? Is that is that the question? Because it's hard to ask this question. Yeah, I think I think you have to be very specific. If you're going to ask who's the best player ever in their prime, in if you take one year of their best career, um, that's a that's a question. I think. I take Jordan in the in his best year. Perhaps the might not be either of them. You know, yeah, yeah. There's there's ceilings from some players in one like year. You could, you could pick Shaquille O'Neal, like some of his I most mean, dominant years. You could pick some of the other centers, there's, like there's, Will Chamberlain, fifty per game. Kobe, oh no, that was on the losing side, thirty five every game. Yeah, yeah, that, that was on losing. But he's had you know good playoff runs where like you in that year, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing by Kobe, and then. I'm a big Kobe fan, so that's why I was Kobe got me. Kobe got me into the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I was, Michael I, Jordan got me to stick because I've got all these old DVDs when I was younger. Um, I got given um, of a lot of the old um, finals games Jordan was in, and that just that's what got me to stick to the NBA. Yeah. Even T Mac, one year of T Mac would be pretty pretty high potential, man. If he had like his best year, he's pretty crazy, pretty yeah. good. Definitely. In my opinion, Jordan can't be surpassed by LeBron. He can't. So if LeBron takes... Look, there's always... If LeBron wins two championships here... LeBron has been very strategic about his legacy and moving to Los Angeles. Taking this Los Angeles side that, like... I'm sorry. None of the other players were going to make it... Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. (laughs) You wouldn't have had more than one all-star player from the previous um, young players on that Lakers side. They yeah. weren't going anywhere into the playoffs with that side. No. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think so either. <clears throat> they they have a few good little pieces that maybe would work in really good teams, but no, no big guys, no all-stars. I think... Ingram has just been a disappointment, to be honest. I, uh, with his size and just some of his like the flashes you see, he hasn't, he hasn't been picked up that consistency to be. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't really stood out like I thought and become that second fiddle you'd expect on yeah. that Lakers. Even side. even Kuzma, he's you know he's been playing. He's good been hit or miss, Kuzma. Yeah. Um, oh, that p- potentially might be turning me on this. Luke Walton is he the right coach situation? Mm, uh, I think it's always 
you know, I think it's always hard to coach the LeBron team. Yeah. I mean, who did they get to coach the last team? It's not even, doesn't really even matter who the coach is. I don't even know if they, do they coach? Like, is it just LeBron <laughs> coaching? Yeah, like, yeah, Ty, Ty Lewis, was he, was he a rookie coach? He hadn't coached before? He was a rookie coach. Like, yeah. like, you can't, like, what is that? Like, you can't expect the coach to be a rookie coach. Like, they're just giving everything to LeBron. Like, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Is he just a mediator for LeBron? Is he just like, does, does LeBron, <laughs> does LeBron talk in his ear and then, then Ty Lue, then Ty Lue's like, like on yeah, just pass, it's like Chinese whispers, just pass on the information, you know? Uh, like, these are all like, he hasn't ever coached by a really great coach. I think Eric Spolstra was very underrated. It was a good coach for him. Yeah. And even then there was, when LeBron and Chris Bosch were in the meeting with Pat Riley, there was a talk about, um, bet- uh, LeBron wanted Pat Riley instead of Eric Spolstra. The coach. He wanted Pat Riley to come out of coaching retirement. Yep, yep. And coach the side. Yeah. Because they were forming this quote-unquote super team, selling the super team thing. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's just hard to coach LeBron, especially. You know what? Yeah. What's really good about him? He wants to win. There's no doubt about it. He wants to win. That's why he gets so upset with his like. Well, he'll take little shots at his teammates who will say, "I need more players," because he wants to win. Yeah. Which you can't. You, you can't say anything bad about that. Yeah. That's, you know, he's giving us the best entertainment as viewers, you know, as fans. He wants to win. So that's it. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So let's go on to a bit of the news for the day. So the Camelo drama at Houston. This morning, Adrian Wojnarowski. Did I say that last? Yeah. Woj brought in <laughs> that, dropped a Woj bomb that Houston and Carmelo Anthony are parting ways. Although Carmelo has not been dropped down to waivers yet, there is has been a mutual agreement between Melo and Houston management that they're going to move on. Carmelo's not going to be attending any of the team things and um, essentially they're going to be paying him his minimum contract until they find a suitor. Because to my knowledge, if a player's cut and dropped down to waivers, if a team claims him within two days, then you lose the... Um, the co- the contract hit on your um ah uh, yeah on your salary the the, the the contract transfers as if it was a, as if it was traded effectively yeah, yeah. it as it, it transfers to the other team as if it was traded and that's going to save ownership especially a lot of money in Houston because they're in the luxury cap yeah the scape the scapegoat Miller he's a scapegoat that's what oh, they needed yeah. to rally behind they need they needed they needed something to put all the blame <laughs> on for the bad season. Yeah, so is that what you think it is? Like, because today you've come out and seen Houston, like, after all this news about Carmelo leaving Houston, they've come out and just smacked Golden State in the mouth. Do you think that this is just all as a result of Carmelo? Def- or do you think there's not. other reasons? Definitely not. I like the scapegoat idea, but, you know, blaming someone, you know, it's a, it's a strategy used by uh, countries in wars too. <laughs> uh, you, it brings you together, okay? You, you have a common enemy, it brings you together. So that's why they're scapegoating Mellow. <laughs> that's why they're scapegoating. That's, that's, I'm fine with them doing that, but it's definitely not all Mellow's fault. You know, you lost... Uh, I don't even know how you say his name. Amanda Mute. What the hell is he? He's a very good defender. He lost him. And uh, Ariza has been playing like trash. Oh, he's playing for Phoenix though. Like, it, yeah. Even if he was putting up 20 points a game, what's it for? Yeah, it's for nothing. But Phoenix in general. He lost another good defender. Ariza was a better Covington. Really? Yeah. You know, or maybe not. Like he, a no, similar player. It's because no? he's sort of. He f- was, as he's a veteran, he fit into his role a lot better. Yeah. He didn't try and take these dribble pull up shots. No, he, he knew his exact. Yeah, he knew his exact role. He stayed and he ran to the corner on the break. He had those open threes. He played defense. He's long, like yeah. just he sort of effectively covered it. Look, he just yeah. he just missed like that's that's a that's the prototypical player that that team needed. That's that's a D'Antoni player. He's a three and D. He always shoots threes and he yeah. and he defends. Like that's, I think that's a, that's a big piece they they're missing on, and um, yeah, they, they are playing as well. Um, you know, as good as James Harden is, I don't like James Harden. I reckon he flails too much. For I saw the other day him going for a drive and just like not even any contact. He just gives like, I wish you could get that a head fake. Yeah, yeah, like and this, and yes, and the referees have to fix that up because that is not a foul. Like every time, it's not a foul. 
Like I even saw a guy, as he's in the motion of putting his hands up from the guarding position to the hands up in the air, he just flails his head and it's not contact. And he's great at doing it, but I don't think it should be a thing. Like, I I hate it. I despise that. It's, yeah, well, it's like, flopping at its finest. Well, there's one thing to dislike it, but there's another thing that that's what makes James Harden so good. He's, he's studied the rule book and his manipulation of the rules to succeed. Like you saw it, he's really like, but especially it's not, it's not a proper contact. It's However, like, but if it's, he doesn't care. If he's getting the call, it's like if a player. I know he doesn't sticks, care. It's favoring him. He's the exactly. one shooting like 13, 13 you, free throws a game. You've got to be annoyed at the league for um, yeah, emphasising that sort of intentionally yes. seeking and manipulating contact. They have to fix that because you, it, Harden will lose five points a game of that. <laughs> if, he, if they can't do that, maybe he'll lose more. Yeah, but and like even the when he's shooting the threes where the player's reaching in, he like leans into and hits the forearm and gets that, a that one. Play. At least he gets the contact. Okay, I, when he does that, that is I think that's smart basketball play. The head flail, the, the guy is still in legal guarding position. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. The guy is in still legal guarding position. All right, so uh, similar to. What were you we gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say we get back to we on a bit of a tangent. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. The melodrama. Is, uh, well, so going back into that, they're lo- they're effectively losing a piece they were looking for as a role player on their side. What type of player, or do you think they should be seeking out? There has been talk of Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza being <laughs> out again. Like I'm sure there's something not right going on there. Yeah. Um, what what kind of player do you think they should be looking for? Uh, you know. I think I think actually <laughs> the guy that was there not long ago as well, Beverly. I think yeah. he'd be okay there again. Um, just like, you know, Paul's, he's not declining too much yet, but, you know, give him a bit of rest, get a tough defensive guy in there. Maybe you can play them. Can Paul, I, I, actually, Paul. I need to come in here. I'm really like, annoyed <laughs> right now. I was listening to um, Jalen Jacoby, and Jalen wasn't on the show, and Ryan Hollins was in. He oh, was a backup center. And he said Chris Paul's a terrible defender. No, he's not a terrible defender. That is like I, I I get it. You're coming from the standpoint that you played with Chris Paul. However, you have no grounds to say that he's not a good defender. Just because he's small, the, like he, for his size and everything, he's is a disruptor. And he's not. He's a he's a very good defender. I just think he's getting older. He's a, he's an amazing. I've seen him play on the post against Kevin Durant and stop him. Yeah, I've seen it. I've he seen uses it. He, he uses his body he's, and puts he's it. strong. He's very strong. Yeah, he's got those hips and glute muscles. Yeah, he's he he's got ass. <laughs> yeah, he's got definitely. Like, yeah, but he's good. He he's a lot better than than definitely Ryan Holmes. So that's ridiculous. Yeah, like, Ryan Holmes is a bum. <laughs> yeah, he's and he's terrible to listen to too. Oh, yeah. no, you should just say some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's shocking, but uh, <laughs> enough about him. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I saw he had like Jason Tatum as a top ten player or something dumb like oh, that. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, top 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 one hundred maybe. Nah, Tatum's good, but not Tatum. Yeah. He's oh, young. He's too young. Yeah, he had. Yeah, um, yeah. So going back to it, like I think Patrick. Be- every team could use a Patrick Beverly as their backup. Oh, hundred percent. It's just like there's only one Patrick Beverly, and the Clippers are doing so well. His his um upper echelon, just like Jimmy Butler is. It's not just about the defense, but it's about you know how he he'll he'll bark on the court. He like talks to people, yeah. and he he b- brings a presence of high intensity. And you watch what he's playing the Clippers, and look, the whole whole Clippers is like that now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's just not Beverly. Maybe it's you know toughness from Doc Rivers and other things. But you know he would provide you know good. Put everything. Put three. Decent three point shooters. I think too. every team sort of like you. You go. Th- I've mentioned this before. You you go through the um, all the dynasties and all the good teams, and there's always been that at least um, one crazy yeah. one crazy Bill guy Lambeer, that's willing to Rodman, fight. Yeah. You go through it. Even like Shaq to a level like he was willing to yeah. throw these fists. And, yeah. You, you do. You need a player who's who's ready to ride or die, and they got Draymond on um, Golden State. Exactly, and I think every dynasty needs it. And and it's it's not even about just the player on the court. It's not because once you get to the court, it's about the atmosphere that the, that player brings. Because once because that player Kendrick Perkins for yeah, <laughs> you can, you can <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's five ten percent more intensity they bring, and it really does disrupt other teams. And yeah. you know, Houston it galvanizes your team. As well. Yeah. Houston could could definitely use him. 
they I think their center position is strong. That yeah, that's fine. I think maybe you like see, a player like Ariza is good. Maybe maybe even Jeff Green or something if his play is good. He yeah, could be I could, right. yeah, I could see someone like Jeff Green fitting into that sort of that three slash four and even very small ball five role, which he yeah. he was playing well at a time. Like in his first couple of games for Washington, he was playing well there. Yeah. Um, you could definitely see some, one of those multi-dimensional plays that could really fit in there. I like that pick of Jeff Green. Yeah, they definitely have to be able to shoot, though. I think you got to be able to spread the floor. But more. Green can hit a corner three. He can exactly. Yeah, that's fine. Um, you just you want you want that sort of forward because they've got three they've got three guards, good yeah. guards. Yeah. You want you're looking at a three slash four and Eric Gordon's been underperforming, boy, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he has, hasn't. He hasn't before, and that, and he's a he's a key part of their bench rotation. He has been underperforming, and that you know it all adds up. Those little things, you know, Eric underperforming, and then their defense not being as good. That's what brings you down. Yeah, he's one. Of, he's also one of those spark plug players that he can win you a playoff game by himself. And like when you're having that as your, like your third um, guard, that's just that make that, that leaves you in the comp, uh, yeah. conversation. Well, last year he was unbelievable. I mean, he was yeah he excellent, definitely. and he 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 was meant to be a start in New Orleans, and he fell off. Like he was like a starter there. Oh, well, that's how that's how they got him. Exactly, it was injury. And yep. Even with there was an above market contract for uh, Anderson, which they got rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they uh, done well there. So even actually, I've been watching a lot of Pelicans. Maybe have you watched Etwan Moore play recently? Yeah, they're not giving up Eton Moore. No, nah, he's 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 draining threes from suburbs, man. man. <laughs> he's he's playing pretty good, to tell you what. And that's what they need, and I think that's one of the things. Why don't we get into New Orleans? New Orleans. So Eton Moore, like he's sort of you're getting those um ADs not having to rely on AD as much, it feels like, at the moment. Yeah. As you initially would have thought coming into the Be- year. Because they have um Drew Holiday and Miritich on my fans who they got yeah, I, yeah. I watch him a bit more. And even when AD wasn't playing, and they weren't, you know, they weren't winning as much. But they actually have a lot of like good players, a lot of pieces. Like Miritich is actually, I just thought he was just a, a spot three guy. Yeah, guy gets guy gets twelve rebounds a game. Yeah, and he gets down low. He gets dirty. He's a bit slow for defense, but you know, you got AD. He'll come and get the rotation when he's playing. You know, and and Drew Drew's got a bit of intangibles, man. He doesn't. He doesn't yeah. want to lose. He's he's turning into that sort of that Mike Conley honorary, like doesn't make the All Star team, but is like a legit guard in the West. Yeah, and that's I'm sorry, that's bullshit, man. Mike Conley is the shit. He should he should Mike Conley should get into the All Star game, man. He's so consistent, yeah. so good. Like, yeah, but you know sometimes those guys last like, year when Jarjuk made it and that, yeah. like that should have been Conley if he wasn't. Um, Oh, if he wasn't crawling around on the ground. (laughs) Poor thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, so anyway, Pelicans are at 7-7 at the moment and sitting in the 11th spot, but it is still Don't forget that um, AD missed four games, I think, with that elbow injury. Yeah, they had a hot start and then they dropped off for a bit. Mm, No, there'll be a team to watch out for because they have a lot of good pieces. As I said, Etoine Woolman, he's... He's killing it, yeah, the and Kings. He's still got the Kings sitting in the eighth <laughs> spot. So that's definitely, they're looking like they're going to move up at least one spot. But this West is really shaking out to be tough. This like, is like what I was saying before about LeBron James, uh, you know, cruising around the East. I'll, I'll, we'll read off the Western Conference right now. We've got the Warriors at the top, the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, the Thunder, the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies? Yeah, the Grizzlies, man, they've been playing well. Oh, yeah, that's that's just that. It's the bear, man. It gives them the power. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the Clippers... The Lakers, the Kings, and sorry, the Spurs are nine. The Jazz are ten. The Pelicans are eleven. Yeah, Jazz, I think went on a five-game losing streak or something nuts like that. You can't tell me that they lost by fifty to Dallas. You can't tell me that if LeBron James is playing in Cleveland, he couldn't even he wouldn't even be able to beat like ten of these teams. Well, he couldn't yeah, beat ten of them. The top twelve, yeah, playing in oh, they're Cleveland side though. They're two and twelve. Like that is nuts. The league's really like looking very odd. But you, you look at here, you've got the Timberwolves that are in 14th position. And they're 6-9. They're 6-9. And nine. Nine. Like, it's not like it's that, that terrible of a losing record. 6-9 and nine would get you almost in... That'd get you in the 10th in the A's. And you're sitting second last looking like you're going to get second... Or t- top three pick in the draft. <laughs> yeah, the that's, 
Look, the, the league is actually so full of talent right now. There, there's so many good guys coming in, and maybe it's being shown off even more just because of the defensive rules being changed. All right, so we're looking at the balance of the conferences right now. Looking at the West, how you're going down to from six and nine in the fourteenth um, spot, all the way up to the team stopping at five hundred is twelfth. If you're five hundred, you're sitting at twelfth. And then you look at the... There's been a lot of talk recently that the East is a lot better than everyone's giving them credit for. But is it? What is the, it the, exactly? The, the top is. The top end, yeah. You look at the those ra- top the, four or five the, players. The Raptors, if you want to watch a good game, go watch Siakam and the Raptors and um, just Siakam. He's, he's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, Eastern Conference player of the week, um, Pascal Siakam. He's, he's, he's good. The, the Raptors are really good this year. Bucks are really good. I I'm kind of. I want the box to be good. I really, especially because I'm Greek and I love Giannis, but I, I want the box to be good. But I, maybe, Look, you know, I think the one, the second biggest. Who was it? Max Kellerman or Stephen A. Smith? One of them on first take. The second biggest pickup in the off season was Coach Boonholzer. He's yeah. actually this. This is the best play he's ever had. And that three. He had a sixty. Demo. He had a sixty win um, side in Atlanta. And none was of them were all-stars. Was that the one where they lost in the first round? They, oh, it was nuts. And, <laughs> and they had five all-stars. Yeah, that was the Jeff Teague and Paul Millsap team, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, but, and Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, Hawthorne Yeah, well. that was a good team. And then Kyle Corver made all-stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah no, he's, he's been really good for them. And, you know, you've just seen... That's what they needed. Bucks are top two and three-point shooting. That's incredible. Um, but you also have to credit that to one guy that nobody thought would be such a dead eye. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> Brooke Lopez. Yes. <laughs> he drained eight. He's looking like Cole Corver out there. He's looking like he's looking like Steph Curry out there. No, he's he's pulling up from deep. Yeah, I've seen them. He's shooting with hands in his face, and he's making Lewis Kennedy happy man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Lewis, he's a player in our fantasy in our fantasy league, but. Is Brook Lopez has been a machine this year somehow? Maybe just you know, Buzz just making making him a three point. You know. All right, looking at the standings from both conferences, mm-hmm. which um, where do you think is an anomaly apart from the Kings? An anomaly. And okay. where do you think is yeah? Where do you think something's going to change? And what do you think something that's okay. going to stick? The biggest one I can see right now, and they're actually fourth. The Celtics. Yeah. I, I think that something's going to happen. I think maybe someone's going to get traded. I you think, I'm, I'm the opposite. You don't think? Oh, you think I, think, it, I think it's actually, it's, I was talking about it with a mate yesterday. Looking at the Celtics, they're suffering what Bill Simmons talks about. It's just too many guys. Yeah. Yeah. Too, too, many, too many good players. they first round picks in the upcoming draft. Do they? Could, Three first-round picks that's, coming up this that's, year. That's incredible. It's just they ha- could unleash. They could unleash a package of just. I'm just throwing this out there. They could do Jason Tatum, three first, and like I don't know, Terry Rozier or pick you or whoever you want. Morris, who's playing well, yeah, for someone like Anthony Davis. Hmm. Who's and, beating, and, and, who's beating and, that? Who's beating that? And you can't turn that down either if you're New Orleans Falcons, can you? Like, New Orleans, they shouldn't get rid of Davis. Like, Davis is a top three player in the league mm. at the moment. Yeah. Probably top two potential in the league. But, the, but, the but who's turning that down? The organizations really value first-round picks. Probably a lot more than people realize. They really like value those first-round picks. Like, they hold, like... A good starter can go and for like, even, you know, like a good first round is, pick. A, a big thing to consider with when accepting trades or whatever is the backlash you're getting from your owner and the backlash you're getting from fans. Yeah. And Jason Tatum, you hear from Boston fans, he's only 20. Yeah. And he's doing like all these awesome things. He's working out with COVID in the offseason. There's a lot of hype around Jason Tatum. You can sell that to a fan base. Yeah. You can sell Jason Tatum to a fan base. You can sell three first round picks. I think what needs to happen there that I think Haywood has to I think I think you uh you get What Hay- about you get Gordon Haywood? You get you get Haywood going, you get him going, then you get him out. You oh. make him look good, you 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 know, you polish him, you get him detailed. Oh, but even like I think establishing that pecking order might be all right for him. Like even though he's missing open shots and shots he'd normally hit, mm. just establishing that pecking order could 
just help Gordon Haywood? It's tough. They they do. They have way too many guys. And poor, I feel sorry for Jalen Brown because he's he's only in his you know second year, third, third year, third yeah. year. Sorry, third year. And you know he was getting so many touches last year, and he's getting good. And then he's oh, that's terrible year as well. Yeah, yeah, and I have to take a step back. Yeah, and Rozier as well. But yeah, Rozier is he's hard because you, you're not going to take the place of Kyrie at all. You, and, and I think Rozier knew he was coming into this year. Like that was telegraphed. It was like it's Kyrie's team. But they, I think they're going to lose these guys. But if they don't trade them or if they don't incorporate something good here, I think Rozier maybe is too good to be on the bench. Yeah, well, Rozier is sort of like that Dennis Schroeder. It's either he's an overqualified um, backup, yeah, or, or he's, he's a low end starter. It's, yeah, but he ha- he's young too, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's he's got youth on his side. Yeah, so he's still got a bit of time, maybe because he hasn't been. Maybe that was his only fair goat last year, and if he gets another good year under him, maybe he can be a decent starter in this league. Perhaps, yeah. Like it's definitely something to be looking out for. Like what I think, yeah, I think everything's fine for Boston. They're still sitting in eight and six. Oh, they have some good players, man. Even off the bench, like, even the guys you don't even talk about. Um, Aaron Baines is a good player. Rickets plays good minutes. <laughs> Um, smart is one of those guys. Semi Ojale is putting in um, time for them. Like yeah. I think he might work out in the sense that he doesn't demand the ball or any shots or anything, and that just might help them just getting another body out there. Like he played twenty one minutes the other night mm-hmm. for them. Um, even Jason Tatum top scored with eighteen against the um, Bulls the other day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's going to be definitely something to look out for Boston. Like, I think they're going to get back on track. I think they're going to go on a streak, and we're going to be talking about them as. Look, it could be we could be wrong. There might be you no. Know, it might be just getting the feet underneath Haywood, getting getting the feet underneath Kyrie. And You're just... effectively incorporating Kyrie back into a side that. Um, and Kyrie, one game away from the finals. And Kyrie's not. He's not a. He's not an easy guy to play with. In that he's. Um... Pass spot up, spot up. He's, he's, he needs he's, to operate. He's bouncing yeah. the ball, you know what I mean? And last year, like, when he was performing well, he was finding a lot of rhythm with Al Horford. Like, they they had a lot of chemistry together. He didn't play much the other day as well, Al Horford. 20 minutes. I didn't know that. 20, what did he play? 20? He played 20, yeah. Maybe they're... I didn't watch that. I, it was a blowout anyway. It was like maybe, 29. Maybe that's right. they got to keep him on the uh, healthy side. Don't yeah, he is getting up there, Al. I think he's in 32. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that just has so much skill. He just he feels like he's gonna last forever. Yeah, well, he could. Like he he doesn't rely on his um, athleticism. Yeah, you just see, you see his footwork, you see his, his IQ, his decision making. It's, it's it's just good every time. It's just that's a good pass. That's 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 a good shot. Yeah, you know. It's oh just, wow, that's a nice move. Just making the right decisions can get you along. And he's a good defensive player too. He he's awesome, and he's, like, he's not super athletic. But I can't good. get over how well he defended Joel Embiid in the playoffs last year. You know, he given up like a good four inches. <laughs> yeah, four inches and no athleticism. If you've ever tried to play on a guy that's four inches taller than you, like it's four inches and then lift up your arms too, and that's that as well because yeah, they, they have longer they have longer arms than you as well. So it's it's really just a, incredible. All right, so moving on. Recently, there's been a bit going on with the old KD and Draymond Green and what the argument that happened with them. So going down the stretch of the OT loss to the Los Angeles Clippers, in the, uh, towards and after a missed shot by Lou Williams, to my knowledge, mm-hmm. there's a rebound by Draymond Green. And Kate, with about five seconds left at the time of the Was, rebound. Wasn't long on the clock, yeah. Yeah, really short left. And... KD was top scoring with 30-odd points at that uh, moment, and he's demanding the ball off Draymond Green. Draymond ignores him and sprints up the court, which is a typical Draymond play, getting the ball and pushing the break. Yeah. However, he turns it over, and there's a bit of argument going back and forth between them as time expires. When I saw that, um, I was just like, oh, I've seen this before heaps of times with different teammates. Like, it's not a big deal. And then... It kept going, yeah. Yeah. And then I started... Watching some shit like some basketball shows and what started watching some podcasts and people were really I was like oh no they're blowing it up they're blowing it up and then I start hearing ex- experts that I really um, respect that yeah. I respect and then just like yeah no nah, it's not good I'm like oh shit like maybe it's maybe it's really it's really not good out there maybe something really is an issue and you know there probably was some stuff in the locker room we didn't see definitely but I just thought to blow it off but you know I watched the game today though and 
They, 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 were, they were fine today. They were fine. So, yeah, in the aftermath of this, um, Draymond Green was suspended without pay for one game, which is 120K. Which, which is... Uh, I don't think that's necessary. I think... You didn't like it? No. <clears throat> I don't think you should do that. Um, well, but it depends on what he was said behind closed doors. It was... You can probably when, imagine it's something to do with his KD's free agency. Well, that's exactly what's been reported. Um, he brought up KD's free agency and what's happening and... With that whole thing, and some of the players, especially in the um, post-game press conference, weren't happy with KD's response to the media, saying that um, he could have just blown off this whole thing and just got rid of. Uh, and he definitely the, should. Talk as a professional, I think, especially if you want to keep good chemistry with your teammates, you're getting asked about the team, your team you're going to be on next year. I think you do, what your response should be automatic. It should be just. I'm playing with the Golden State Warriors now, and I'm 100% committed to this team. I'm not. I'm not even thinking about friends here right now. Like, yeah. It's on my mind. You I'm know? signed to, go, to Golden State Warriors. I'm signed to go, and, and, and when that time comes around, I'll deal with it then. Um, if that's even, and if you, if you want to go a bit further, you can say, and I'd still love to play for this franchise. Yeah. Okay? All, it's not, none say, of it's untrue. None of it's untrue. To say I'm here to win, win championships. Yeah. And I'd love to play for this franchise. I'd still love to play for this franchise, you know? None of that's un- untrue. Yeah. You don't need to lie about anything. None of it's untrue. You, I, yeah, I think it's poor by him. And I thought even that his response... He's always been socially awkward, though, Kevin Durant. Yeah, if maybe something's happened during his childhood or something. He's a bit off something. Like, why are you like, clapping at your teammate like that? Like, to, I thought he reacted badly even to Draymond. Like, you know how Draymond, Draymond yeah. is. But, like, you, you expect Draymond to, like, sort of bark and so on. Yeah, but... However, just... I don't know. Like, what... Even when I was watching that rebound that Draymond... Like, what... What is... Katie's gonna get. Katie's gonna get a top three. Well, like this is three. Like Kevin Durant, his most iconic play. LeBron's might have yeah. been the block on Iguodala in the finals. Perhaps yeah. that might be his most iconic play. Yeah. Kevin Durant's most iconic play is on the left wing, the, pull the crossover up. pull up from twice on LeBron James. Yeah, that he could have caught it and just that's his signature move. Just that's true. Just killing it. But also, they want an eleven zero run. Perhaps maybe Clay Thompson should have been the one that was cut because he was a big part of that 11-0 run. But um, Clay was open. Um, he was cutting open. Draymond just lost the ball. He could have dumped it over to it. There was actually two players open on that play. If you watched the end of that play, yeah, Draymond think, would have had a good pass over. I yeah. I think either way, I think look, you have to, you do have to give it to KD. Like he's your player. Yeah, I guess you kind of have context. to. Yeah, but I didn't. I just thought it shouldn't have been handled that way by by both of them. But I thought. I thought it's a weak move by the Golden Warriors to take away pay from Draymond Green, man. You, you're backing KD. You should. I reckon you should stay. I reckon you should say when you go to the media, you just say, you know, this is just two guys that want to win so bad, and they want to. They just want to win. And yeah. That's all you need to say to the media. You don't I need think, to. Find. I think what the, like organizations, everything overcomplicate a lot of these issues. Yeah, they sort of think about it too much. Because you know they're trying to side with KD because they want to keep him. That's exactly. Why. And I, you know. You can't blame them for that. However, I you do. Can't. I think you got to protect the integrity of your side. You're still probably championship favourites unless he goes to Houston <laughs> or maybe Lakers or something. Or Boston. Like, yeah. There's only probably like two teams. Pe- that people probably... forget. I was watching even the halftime show with Shaq and Kenny, and and Barkley's just he's like, oh, the Warriors are nothing without Katie. And then Shaq's like, what? Didn't they win like 73 games? I mean, <laughs> Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are legitimate, like, three-point machines, and they, they score, like, 28-plus points a game. Clay will have 25 a game without KD on the floor. He'll have that. And, you know, and especially... He's been, he's been doing well recently. He's been over 20 a game recently. Yeah, and with KD not there to take shots, and, and he's, the second, he's the second guy, you know, he'll lift. And if they, the salary comes back a bit, they can find other players. They will not be out of contention, I don't think. I think they still have a bit more time, as long as Curry can stay healthy. Curry's, if his whole career has been a bit up up in arms with injuries, his first couple of years did some ankles and... Yeah, it was like sort of that unanimous MVP seasons where really he escaped those injuries for that period of time and showed off perhaps one of the greatest performances in a whole regular season. That's true, the unanimous MVP season, which 
was incredible. I think we are underappreciate Steph Curry and the types I, of shots. I, I, don't, I think we're numb to it. I don't. I I I, I, I always back Steph Curry as, as a society. Yeah, they do. I they do because some guy at work told me, "Oh, Kyrie is better than Steph Curry." I oh was nah, like, man! I was like, "No, he's more. Kyrie's more skilled." I was like, "Are you? you no, nah, what are you is, watching this, the call?" This is when you like. This is when you're on Instagram and you see Bleach Report or something post something, and you go into the comments and you say. You see, Kyrie's better than Steph Curry. I'm no, just... Kyrie's marketed better than Steph Curry. That's all it is. Yeah. All right, Curry can do some fancy dribble moves. You know who I want? I want the guy who's draining threes at 40. What is, what is he this year? 45. Is he 50% from he's three? Nearly, he's nearly... He's like 48.5 at the moment. He has a chance to go 90% from the free throw line, 50% from field, and 50% from three. That is actually just ridiculous. That's... Like, and we're talking about like it's nothing. Yeah. No. Nah, like, and this is expected from He's Steph. He's an efficiency machine and he goes inside too. Yeah. So this segment's become all about Steph Curry. But, you know, he is, he's the driving force of that Golden State team. He's, he's the most important player, I yeah. think, on the team. He might not be the best, but I think that's only because of size. Katie's just so big and so skilled at his, at his size and just such a great shooter that he's better. Do you think that this could be the unravelling of the Golden State Warriors, this sort of argument between them and potentially extended rift between KD and um, Draymond because let's not forget, Draymond was the one that quote-unquote recruited him. I don't think so, but I think uh, Kevin Durant is different probably to a lot of people. He takes things very personally. Yeah. I he think, thinks about things weirdly. Yeah, he's he takes things probably a bit too personally. Um and he had those those burner accounts which is I saw the funniest post I mean, you're, said, you're an NBA player why do you need to do that man you have so, so Warriors fan underscore 69 69 comments don't you guys think Draymond Green runs his mouth a bit too much <laughs> that's actually a classic that's a, that is a good meme but yeah I don't think it's the beginning of the end of unraveling but you know the reports are that Katie could be leaving anyway. So yeah, I, that was already in before. And did what, did Woj drop that bomb? Or no, nah, if, nah, I only believe it if this if is Woj drops it. For us. No, okay. Woj didn't drop the bomb. Okay, if, until Woj it's drops the bomb. Oh, Shams ain't bad, but Shams like gets there like ten seconds before Woj. So yeah, no. When Woj drops that bomb, then uh, then we'll know what what's really the deal there. Yeah, but, well, I've like I said in the Western Conference preview. The only way Golden State isn't uh, winning the championship is if they beat themselves. Mm. And Draymond in his post-game, or no, pre-game actually, to the reporters, saying the only time he's going to address the situation, he said that they're not going to beat themselves and the only way they're not going to win the championship is if another team beats them. So Yeah, they yeah they, they are just way too, like, way too good, way too skilled, well-built, and yeah... The, I don't think I th- I thought it wasn't a big deal. I only started believing it was a big deal when people I respect and started saying, "Yeah, it's real." And yeah, and today on the court, they looked like there was nothing. They're high fiving each other, you know, passing to each other. It was a little forced at times. Like there's a time where um, Draymond did almost the identical play, and Durant just like just um, I don't know. He just it looked a little forced at that time. Yeah, look, you need to get Steph Curry out there. His because once because he becomes the mach- the uh, the glue in the machine. Like people say Draymond's the glue, but maybe Draymond is the glue gun, the heat glue gun that melts the glue away. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Curry's really the glue. <laughs> That's the hot take of the podcast. Yeah, Draymond Green's the glue gun, not the glue. Yeah, he's the he's the hot glue gun that you use to melt glue away, so you can open stuff up, and you know, maybe he's not not the glue everyone thinks he is. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, on that note, I'd like to thank you, Chris, for hopping on the pod. You're welcome anytime. Thank you very much. Had a great the time. First guest on the Running the Point NBA show. And just a reminder where you can get us literally anywhere you listen to podcasts. So yeah, thank you for listening again. So we're talking Spotify, iTunes. Spotify, iTunes, Google, or Android podcasts, whatever they are. The Anchor FM website. That's everywhere. Literally everywhere. Yeah. There's like Stitcher, even like those paid services we're on. I haven't had a listener on the paid services yet. Well, you got to. You guys Why would you pay for this show when I'm putting it to free um, just distribution websites? It's just silly. You don't need to pay for such great content. You don't need to pay. Like you could pay. Yeah. You could pay. But you, we don't, we but don't, you don't need to. Exa- we're, not, I'm not, we're not a bad guys here at the moment. The point. So I'd like to thank you once again for li- tuning into the podcast and we'll see you next time.